Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and for today's episode, I catch up with a good friend of mine who hosts his own car show, has been a judge at car festivals, and as of today, has owned over 30 different cars. So if you like cars and coffee, car meets, hard parking, late night pit stops, in and out, you're in the right place. Let's get into today's show. Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. Hey, what's good, everyone? Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall. I'm stoked today to have one of my good friends on the show who is not only a close friend in the world of sneakers, which I play in every day, if you're not familiar with sneaker history and that community that we have there, but this new, uh, new to public facing my life is, you know, the world of cars, which I've obviously been a fan of for a long time. But uh, Barry, AKA verse one is on with me today to talk about his journey in cars and the classic shit sleigh ride that, uh, you know, has kind of become like a, a must have final event of the year for a lot of people, especially in SoCal. So Barry, what's good, man. How you doing? What's up, Nick? I'm super excited to be on. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, of course. It's good. Good to see you. It's been a little while. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's cool. It's like, it's like seeing you in a whole different state, you know, talking about cars versus sneakers. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. <laughs> Yeah, me, me too, man. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, we've talked about it at length many times, but I think there's just such a huge crossover between the world of cars and the world of sneakers. And, you know, my passion for both of those things has overlapped and, and you know, weaved back and forth for, you know, basically all my life. And I've never, I've never really officially... Uh, you know, once I started working in the sneaker world as a profession, everything about cars kind of became secondary because I just get so into stuff. And, you know, as we were talking a little bit before we started recording, one of the things that my goal is with this podcast is to continue to kind of open the door of what the, the car community and car culture is for people that might feel intimidated looking at it on the Internet. Right. Because you you see stuff like SEMA going on and you see all these, you know, crazy impressive, you know, multi hundreds of thousands, million dollar builds and all this stuff. And, and at the end of the day, it's really just about the passion the same way it is with sneakers. And I think the one thing that, that, you know, you and I connected, you know, a few years back, like your event kind of just is, is like, is everything that I think a, a car event should be in a sense of it's not about, you know, who has the most expensive stuff or who got to, you know, build something from frame up or, you know, Hey kid, don't touch my car kind of mentality mm -hmm. that you see at a lot of shows. And, and that's so important because, you know, you, I just think of like my nephews now and, you know, you having kids obviously can relate to this, but like, you know, they want to, they want to, they want to sit in the front seat. They want to, they want to, you know, feel like they're growing up into this, this whole world that they don't know about. And I feel like with the car community, we somehow alienated a lot of, a lot of, uh, older kids, let's say, you know, adult kids that just feel like they, 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 they didn't stay paying attention to it from their teenage years. And now it's like, well, I don't, I don't have an interest, you know, in like learning all that stuff. And I think there's still value in a lot of people that 
a lot of people being involved and, and, you know, showing up. And I think your event really kind of personifies that in a lot of ways where you just have a lot of people that are there to hang out, have a good time, uh, you know, get some toys to the kids and, and, you know, we'll get more into that, but I think like maybe to start out, let's give a little bit of background on, on who you are, how you got into cars and, and eventually how classic started. Well, <laughs> um, my name is Barry and, um, I started a, uh, well, back then it was a, it, I, my intention was it for it to be a blog. Um, this was back, you know, in the Honda tech days, um, you know, when the concept started first coming up in my head. And, uh, I mean, I got into cars. It, it's kind of crazy because my, my, my family was never into cars. No, no one in my family was into it. And it just, I got my first car, which happened to be a 1988 Honda Civic. Uh, it had about 275,000 miles on it. My uncle owned it. He was a, he commuted, I think like 70 miles a day. And when it finally came time to drive, I actually didn't get my license till I think I was like 18, uh, 18 or 19. Um, and I, I finally got the car. It wasn't really something I wanted. It was just kind of something that was a, like a hand-me-down in the family. Um, and so, you know, my dad bought the car off my uncle, took it home. I didn't know how to drive stick. I didn't even know what, you know, stick shift was really. Um, yeah. But long story short, my uncle took me in the parking lot. You know, he started teaching me how to drive. I was like, you know, this is kind of cool. It's a little different. Um, you know, and then finally I got the hang of it and I lived in the Bay Area. So I remember one time I took it to San Francisco and, you know, I was up, a, I forgot <laughs> what hill it was, but man, that was probably one of the most scariest moments of my life. And you know, at that point I was frustrated because I wasn't that great at driving. Um, but I think it was, I think the first day I drove it to school, um, I was already in college um, and I drove it to school and there was, you know, it was one of those things where the school was so busy that I had to just like wait in the parking lot to get parking. So while I would wait in the parking lot and circle, there would be other cars that I started to notice like other Hondas and you know, fix up cars at the time. This was probably 98, 99 around that time frame. <clears throat> so um, I would just look at them and they would look at me and they would look at me differently than, you know, when I used to drive the family minivan. So I was like, oh, there's something different about this car. And then sure enough, like occasionally I would park and people would come up to me and ask me about my car. And, you know, eventually I realized I kind of had something special. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, one of my other buddies, his name was Rolando. He had a 90, 92 Civic hatchback. Uh, it was white. And he was just, he would like lean back driving it. He had like an exhaust on it. And like, it just looked cool. And, you know, his car and my car next to each other just started to become a thing. And that's really how I got into cars. Um, and then <clears throat> we started, you know, hanging out a little bit more. And um, eventually it led to, you know, three or four of us that had, you know, late nineties. Uh, I think my, my friend June had a, uh, 96 SE, uh, 200 SX SE. Um, and it was mainly just us three, man. We would just go out and cruise. Um, eventually we started wanting to modify. So we would like save up for things like intakes. And I mean, we couldn't even afford lowering springs. So we would try to cut our springs and, a lot of it would just like homemade DIY stuff. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was good times. It was right before fast and the furious. 
Um, but, you know, hanging out with them, you know, taking pictures in parking lots, that was pretty much my, my gateway into the whole car scene. Yeah. And, and, <clears throat> and back then, you know, you didn't have, uh, you didn't have a lot of places to, to find, you know, any kind of stuff for cars either. So it was like, you know, pet boys. So you were, you were getting like the, it was like, okay, well, you know, they got red valve stem covers <laughs> at, at pet boys. So, you know, that was like, a, that was like a cool mod back in the day, you know, just because it was like the only thing you could do. Cause especially with, with Hondas, at least for me, everything was, you know, at, at any of the stores that, that existed back then were, was all for domestic. So you couldn't really get anything, you know, it was like, how can, can I make any of this work? I mean, you know, to your point about intakes and stuff, I remember, you know, hacking, you know, aluminum piping <laughs> from Home Depot and like, you know, buying couplers and, and just like figuring out how to like fit it a little bit further out of the engine bay and stuff. So. It's, it's crazy because you're exactly right. We had Pep Boys and Lowe's Home Depot, or actually it was Orchard Supply. It wasn't, I didn't have a Home Depot near me. So I would go to um, Pep Boys and there would only be stuff for domestics. So I would try to figure out what would work. I mean, I remember I got like NGK spark plugs, the blue ones. I mean, uh, spark plug yep. wires. And I thought I was so cool. Like if I felt like my car was like 10 horsepower, more, more efficient Definitely. at that point. Yeah. Um, and then intakes, I mean, you had to go to a speed shop to purchase it because online wasn't really a thing back then, at least when I first yeah. got into it. So we had maybe two or three speed shops in our area and you kind of had to be a cool person to go there. Like I didn't want to go in and ask a dumb question. Um, you know, one I had I had a DX Civic, and that was kind of shunned upon back then because it wasn't it wasn't the SI. So modding it didn't really make a lot of sense. So I would kind of shy away from speed shops at first, and I would just go to you know uh, Orchard Supply. And you got aluminum piping. I bought PVC piping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah. didn't make any sense, but it made sense then. But yep. I bought PVC piping and I think I got like a hand me down Akimoto K&N filter from one of my buddies and I made an intake. I wrapped it with with uh, electrical tape and I remember getting pulled over by a cop and he was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and he, he let me go because. You know, he was like, this isn't doing anything for him. It was probably like way hotter than it should have been and everything. But <laughs> I mean, that there wasn't a lot of resources back then. It was pretty much what we would figure out ourselves. I mean, my buddy Rolando, he actually, his first intake was he took his stock airbox off and just wrapped his, uh, he wrapped the intake hose with, with pantyhose. And that was his intake. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. sounded cool. I don't know if it really yeah. made the car faster, but <laughs> yeah. You know, well, and that's the thing that's kind of interesting about cars is like, you know, you're, you're kind of just navigating, like there's such a learning factor for all of it, but like at the same time, every little thing can, can kind of be, you know, like, like, like wrapping the intake with pantyhose or something, right? Like even pulling an air filter or pulling the resonator off the box of a, off the bottom of your air of your intake, like all those things. Like when you first start, like just, you know, messing with cars in any way are like, you know, they're just so like the, the joy that comes from it is so pure. Right. It's like oh, yeah. blue NGK 
plug wires will always be like so nostalgic for me because <laughs> it was like one of those first you know like when you're especially when you're like a teenager young 20 something and you haven't done that stuff on on your own car before you, you feel like oh my god i could take on the world you know like oh yeah you know, who, who needs a motor swap? I just changed my spark plug wires. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, like next up, you know, like it was but same, same for me too. Like the, you know, friends, you know, either trying to heat up springs or cut springs if you want to lower it and, you know, rewiring bumper lights and rewiring, you know, fog lights and all the crazy stuff that goes into it. But it, it it's cool because like, I think just, just tinkering is always something that, for me is therapeutic in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. And I think that, I think that it, you know, personally, I believe that it is that way for everyone. The people that don't think that, so just haven't quite figured out what the tinkering that they need to do is to, mm -hmm. to find that. Um, because I think the same thing can, you know, you could, you could look at video games and like, it's not, it's not the same kind of hands-on tinkering, but to me, it's still, you know, going through the process of building, your character, your story, your car, what, whatever the world, whatever game you choose to play. Right. Like that's very much like the same kind of, you know, mental, you know, uh, fitness, if you will, for it, you know, at least in my opinion, but so how do you go from, how do you go from, you know, the civic DX to kind of, you know, classic has been around 10 years. Now you're celebrating this year and what's the journey from, from, you know, the, the DX EF to, to classic? I mean, it, it was a very long journey. I mean, in total, I've probably owned about 30, 30 Hondas. Just, Damn. you know, just, I mean, some, some for a week, some for years, but all in all, you know, anyone that knows me personally has known I've owned quite a few Hondas. Um, now, after the DX, you know, I, I, that was my first, you know, entry into modifying vehicles, meeting people. Um, and then every vehicle I got after that, um, it was kind of like collecting sneakers in a sense where, you know, you get a new shoe, new, new stories, you know, you would wear it to different places. So each car kind of connected me with more and more people and experiences, uh, a lot of failures a lot of success, um, you know, which just, it, it kind of got addicting, you know, wanting to build a car and then move on to the next car and see what I could, you know, push, push myself to do with that vehicle. Some of the cars got taken from me, you know, my very first civic, I was young, I was irresponsible, got pulled over, didn't have insurance, didn't have my, my license was suspended. I didn't even know. So that car got taken and I didn't let let it stop me. I mean, my my thing was, you know, let me get another car before I even fixed my license. I had another. I think I had a CRX by that time. It was my next build. Already motor swapped it. I mean, it just it was just what I wanted to do back then. Um, yep. And so, <clears throat> long story short, after building cars, I mean, back then there was no Instagram. There really wasn't social media. Um, so I would meet people either just through circles of friends at school. I mean, that was kind of the thing to do. We'd go to school, meet up after work or after school, we would, you know, cruise around the streets. And at nighttime, we would, you know, try to figure out, are we going to go to the street races? Or are we just going to hang out in a parking lot? Um, and then the resources that we started to get uh, were 
other than, you know, I mentioned I, I didn't really like going to speed shops at the time because I was intimidated. So I would go online um, and I started, you know, finding websites like Temple of VTech, um, speedonline.com, Honda Tech, um, all the forums like, uh, was it AcuraZine? Was that a forum? Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and just y- you name it. I started getting on the internet and from there I would meet people. Um, I started buying parts, you know, used because I couldn't really afford new. Um, and then doing that, I actually met a lot of some of my best friends who I'm still really close to this day. Um, you know, through, through selling parts and, you know, just posting in the forums and Honda tech and whatnot. So <clears throat> it got to the point where every new car I got, you know, I wanted to kind of outdo the last and I didn't really have a goal, you know, like I didn't really set a goal and say, Hey, I want to be the fastest car on the street or the coolest car at a car show. I just, kept going and just kept like seeing what I could do and push myself to do. Um, but just like with sneakers, I didn't have a lot of money to spend. So I kind of had to be on a budget all the time. Um, but back then it was actually a cool thing. Like I felt like people got, had a lot of street cred, you know, when they would just figure out what kind of free mods they could do to their car, um, how innovative they could be with like little to no money. Um, you know, and so I just kept pushing, pushing myself in that direction. And <clears throat> I think I would, I remember seeing a lot of posts on like Honda tech about build threads. And I always wanted to have a car that was like, I never really told myself I wanted to be in a magazine, but I wanted to have a car that I could do a build thread about and just actually yeah. have people like give me props and, and admire the work that I did. But I was never the most skilled mechanic. I just had a lot of friends that were, um, so I would like take my car to their house. We would work on it and figure out new things and just had a lot of fun doing it. And eventually <clears throat> I started realizing like, man, what am I doing? Like 15 cars in, I'm like, I've had all these cars and I haven't really gotten anywhere with them. You know, I never really had the fastest car. I never had the shiniest car. Um, And I started to realize like, but most people that were out there were like me. I mean, a lot of us were just building cars as a daily that was as functional as could be, but had a little speed. Uh, Everything worked right. uh, Didn't look like a bucket. I mean, that was kind of our our thing. So um, that was kind of my mentality every time I wanted to build a car. So eventually... I started feeling like uh, I would go to like car meets and that's when it really kind of opened up my eyes to the types of people that enjoyed cars. You know, some people were really cool um, and chill. Some people were like almost a little cocky or conceited, you know, like they had a lot of pride in in the cars that they built. Um, I started to meet people that were super humble and I started to meet people that seemed like really shady. Um, and I started to realize like, wow, there's all kinds of like different kinds of people out here. Um, and I always tried to figure out like where I fit in. Um, and I remember applying for like back then you could submit your car to get posted on a vlog or on a blog. And I don't Mm -hmm. even remember, I applied 
to like I would I think I eventually had um my first EP3 so was, this was in 2000 and 2009 I think 2010 around there is when I had my first EP3 um so keep in mind that was like my by then that was like my probably 20th Honda um and the EP3 was a car that I wanted or that I that drew my attention because one a lot of people didn't like it um you know it was kind of the black sheep of the Honda family you know everyone was yeah. so used to like how glorious like the EG and the EK looked and then when the EP came out it was like this weird looking egg right and it was it was super tuned down for the United States it didn't even have like a a real K-series motor um, compared to like the real Type R in, in Europe and Japan. But, you know, <clears throat> I really liked how it looked and I, I saw like a Type R in Japan and and saw how different it looked than, you know, the the stock USDM EP. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get one um, and I'm going to see where, where it takes me. So I started putting pieces together um and submitting the car to like different online magazines at the time and nobody looked at it you know i posted a couple things on honda tech nobody looked at it and i just felt kind of like deflated in a sense so <clears throat> you know one of the things that i enjoyed doing was taking pictures with my friends you know we would go out late night go grab some like some hot pot you know 10 o'clock at night and then go to the parking yep. lot with good lighting and take pictures. Yeah. And <clears throat> Chevron gas stations, man. Yeah. Gas stations always got <laughs> always the best. Got the good lighting. <laughs> or we would find like random parking structures that were open at yep. night, you know, and take pictures till they would kick us out. Um, so I just I love taking pictures and I loved hanging out with my friends. So um I would take pictures and submit them, and like I said, never really get looked at or paid attention. And I and I started thinking to myself, you know what? <clears throat> Like how many people submit their cars and don't get paid attention to, you know, and, and I just kept thinking about how I felt, you know, I didn't spend a ton of money on any of my cars, but I felt like, you know, I wish there was a place where people like me would get seen. Yeah. And so <clears throat> finally I submitted my car to, um, his name is Brandon. He had a he had a blog back then. It was called Sarap Buhai, which means good life in um in in Tagalog. And uh he had a pretty cool like up and coming blog, and I submitted my car and he posted it. And this was like probably when I saw the the post, it was probably one of the best feelings I've ever had. Like to this day, you know, shout out to Brandon. I think he does like tattoos. He's in, he's actually moved from Texas to San Diego, but um that 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 opportunity right there was probably a big it was a big turning point in my life because seeing my car on a on an actual website that people looked at just felt so good to me um <clears throat> isn't it isn't it crazy like if you think about you know you mentioned you know the the like the kind of DIY mods and stuff and like it's so different on the internet versus you know, back then, right. Versus real life. Right. Because if you were to post, you know, the, the pantyhose wrapped around the intake on the internet, people would clown you. But if you <laughs> ran into somebody at the parking lot, you know, in a parking lot and were like, Hey, what have you done to the car? 
And they were like, oh, yeah, I was trying to do this thing. It'd be like you'd become friends with that person in real life. Right. Because you're both in the same mindset of like, yeah, you know, like I want to I want to do this, but I want to do it my way. I want to, you know, not spend a ton of money and like kind of do as much as I can on my own. Right. Like that's like the, the, the real passion behind it. But it's completely opposite on the Internet where it's like it's, you know, to your point about, you know, it's either got to be the fastest or the shiniest, right? Like those are the only ways that people seem to get recognition at least. I mean, I think we've gotten to a little bit better point now, but like, especially that era of, of the forums and, you know, prior or early, early days of social media, right? Like they were very just like hard to break through, I guess, and hard to find that place to find recognition online. Cause it just, it just everything seemed like, oh, it had to be professional type stuff. Right. Know? Exactly. Cause that's what you would see in, you know, Import Tuner, Super Street, um, you know, the big car shows at the street races. You know, like you had to it took a lot. It seemed like it took a lot to stand out. But it seemed but to me it was like, but there's the majority of the people that are in this stuff are just like me. People that we meet in parking lots, people that are just tinkering yep. on their stuff in the garage. Um, and I just kind of wanted to shed light on that. And so when I finally had that, you know, one big moment, well, that, what I thought was a big moment, you know, my car being featured on a blog, that was a big deal back then to me. And it felt so good that it made me want to duplicate that feeling for people that were kind of just like me, you know, not the heavy hitters, not the people that were spending thousands and thousands of dollars on their cars. Like I wanted to figure out a way to give that replicate that feeling to a normal person, quote, quote unquote, normal person. Um, so after that, <clears throat> you know, I, that's when the wheels started kind of spinning in my head. Like, what can I do, you know, to kind of, to kind of, you know, create something that would, help other people feel how good I felt right now. Um, and <clears throat> back then, I mean, I think that was kind of when car meets just started to become a thing. It, it, there was a transition between street racing and just meeting in a parking lot and just showing off your car. Yep. Um, so I would go to car meets that I started going to a lot of meets after that. Cause I was like, well, maybe if I go to a meet, someone will take a picture of my car and then, I'll get I'll get that feeling again, you know, that I got to get posted on another blog. Um, and I, I would I remember one meet specifically. I'm not going to say which blog it was, but they were hosting a meet in San Jose or I think it was Milpitas. And it was raining. We went to this meet. And there was no representation of of the blog anywhere. You know, it was supposed to be this big old meet that was thrown by these cool people. But nobody like. You literally just park, get out, and everyone just literally just kind of looking at each other. Um, I didn't feel very welcomed. You know, I didn't know anybody. I went by myself. Um, and, you know, I just remember feeling kind of like out of place. And I didn't see like a banner up of the people that were throwing the meat. And I was just like, well, what am I doing here? You know, um, so I just got a really weird vibe. And I would get that feeling at, you know, a couple different meets and it was pretty frequent. And so I started, and at that point, I remember telling myself, if I ever was cool enough to throw a car meet, 
I would make it to where people were actually having fun and, you know, like people were introducing themselves to each other. I mean, it's funny because now that we think of a car meet, that's usually how it goes, right? Like the cars and coffee, the regular meets, it's usually like that. Um, but back then, like it literally was just very standoffish. Like we would pull up in a parking lot and everyone was just kind of stare at each other. You know, people yeah. that knew each other would obviously talk to each other, but it wasn't so welcoming. <clears throat> that almost like alienated more people, right? Because you would show up to something like you're talking about, right? And there would be like, it's funny because I was thinking like I, we probably were at, <laughs> we probably went to meets and just didn't talk to each exactly. other, no, you know, but like you would, you would show up and you'd be like, oh, those are the cool kids because they came like 10, 10 cars deep mm -hmm. and there's 20 of them hanging out. And then it'd be like, you know, you're five or six friends and like, okay, well, I was going to hang out with my friends anyway. So it's still cool. But like, you know, you don't, you, it, it was definitely a different time in terms of like being, and, and maybe it's just like being young, I guess. I don't know. Like it, it's, I just feel like it was really awkward, socially awkward yes. at a lot of those early meets. Definitely. And so, you know, like I said, the wheels start turning in my head and I, I didn't, I just didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have like a, a presence back then. You know, I wasn't known on Honda tech. I wasn't known on any of the forums. I had a small group of friends, but you know, it was like, it, it was just me and my friends and, and that was really it. And so, um, the other component to classic was I had always wanted to start a brand. Um, you know, back then I was really into streetwear, you know, I was probably like at the height of me collecting sneakers. Um, and back then it's weird because I think about it and these two worlds, they didn't mix at all for me. Um, now I, now looking back now, I'm like, wow, there's a huge, I and mean, we've talked about that, that cross culture, but back then there was no mix because when I was heavy into cars, I really wasn't rocking sneakers. And when I was started collecting sneakers, all my money was going to that and stopped going into the cars. So yeah. <clears throat> um, one of the things I really wanted to do was create a brand. And so with feeling good about being posted on the Internet, with feeling shitty about going to car meets and nobody paying attention to me and me wanting to create something, you know, like a platform that I could use to express myself and also bring people together. I decided at that point, you know, I'm going to start a blog and then I'm going to turn it into a clothing line and I'm going to, you know, go to events. I'm going to document the events, post pictures and then use make stickers. Really, it was just stickers that I wanted to make before. Just make stickers and, and get them out there and just see where it goes from there. So that was in 2000 and I think 2010 um, when I came up with the idea of classic. Um, I was actually listening to, it's a song by Rakim, KRS-One, Nas, Kanye West, and I think it was produced by DJ Premier. Um, it, the song came on when I was in the shower and I was really just trying to think like, what am I going to call this thing? You know, what am I going to call this website? That song came on and it was just like, you know, a big old light bulb turned on in my head. I was like, this is like a gift from God. This is perfect. Like just the chorus, you know. Um, it really just was a perfect name for what I wanted to do. And I saw it in my head, like the way that it's spelled out on my sweater, you know, with the SI in the middle, I was like, that couldn't be more perfect. Um, so immediately I just went online, found a cool font, 
put it down, saved it. And, and then I had this whole paragraph that I typed up about basically just explaining how I felt about the car scene, um, and how important cars are and, um, how it's a, a, a tool to express yourself. And that was the birth of classic. And then that night, I think probably for like a week straight, I worked on a website. Um, and I think it was just a WordPress at the time and then figured out how to publish photos on it. And I started hitting up car meets, taking pictures and, you know, next thing you know, I have stickers and I was selling out of t-shirts. Um, and it's crazy because the blog never really got big. Um, but how it really started was when I moved to Southern California, um, I was coming home one night and <clears throat> we seen a stream of cars, like a bunch of HID headlights following us um, at our at our exit on the way to the house. And I told my wife, um, she was my girlfriend at the time, I was like, look at all these cars behind us. I wonder where they're going. And she's like, they're probably going to have a car meet or something. And I, we just laughed about it. And then sure enough, we saw the cars pull into this empty parking lot across the street. And so I was like, I think they are going to have a car meet. So we got excited. She's like, you should go get your camera. So we went home, grabbed my camera equipment, went back. And sure enough, there's a full blown car meet across the street from where we lived. Um, and we're looking and my eyes are just lit. And I start taking pictures and then, you know, Michelle, my wife, she, she said, make sure if you're going to take pictures, take a picture of every single car. Don't skip a car, even if it's ugly or you think it's ugly. She's like, you know, make sure you take a picture and make sure if you're going to post the pictures, you post every single picture you take. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, because when you go, when you're, when you're shooting cars, you want to shoot the nice cars, right? Um, yep. so it was kind of that little nudge that she gave me to kind of remind me of why I was trying to do what I was doing. So I did it, you know, I took probably 50 pictures, posted it on the blog. And then the next week there was, there was another car meet the same spot and there was noticeably more people there. And I was like, wow, there's more people that showed up, you know? And so <clears throat> by the third week. Um, I had already posted what three sets of photos for three weeks. And at the third, at the third meet, people were coming up to me saying, Hey, are you, um, you know, stay classic. It's like, yeah, that's me. Like, yeah, we saw your, we saw your pictures. Uh, we saw the pictures that you posted of our cars and then we brought our friends and I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. It felt good to know that people saw the pictures that I took and are now the event starts getting, or the car meet started getting a little bigger. Um, so that's, that's pretty much how classic actually started. Um, as far as the website and the brand, um, and <clears throat> that went on for not even that long of a time, maybe just a few months. Cause it got kind of tiring going to events and having to keep up with the website. Um, so I think this is like 2011 into, or late 2010 into 2011. Um, and then, you know, 2012 came along and it was a pretty busy year for me. Michelle and I got married and right after she got married, um, she got pregnant with Noah. So we were super busy and I wasn't able to really invest time and go to events. At the time I had 
my sister-in-law actually going to events for me to take pictures. And then that's how we were still able to get coverage and stuff. Um, but that year we can't, I came up with the idea of, you know, because I can't go to all these events, what if I just threw my own car meet? Um, and that's where we started planning the very first classic sleigh ride. Um, at first, I knew that I wanted to do a meet that was going to be different than all the other meets that I've ever attended, but I didn't really have the following to where I felt like, oh, a bunch of people will come. Um, and so one of the ideas that that I came up with was, what if I have a big, you know, a good cause behind this event? I think more people would want to come and participate and we'd be able to do something good. So that's where the toy drive aspect of uh, the car meet came into play. We reached out to one of our friends who I think was in the Marines at the time. And then they linked up with, they linked us up with toys for tots. So we did our very first car meet that December um, of 2012. And so, <clears throat> or 2012 or 2011, I think it was 2011. I don't remember, but that was our first event. And we had about, shockingly at least to me it we had about 70 cars come out um it's crazy because i think there's videos there's a video of it that was posted by one of my buddies alan from uh fitted though and i was watching the video the other day i was like wow there was there wasn't that many people but it looked fun you know and the, yeah so <clears throat> we had about 70 cars show up to the first event we collected maybe about 100 toys and man that felt great um you know and in that process of throwing the car meet, you know, my wife and my sister-in-law, they're very, very kind people. And they didn't really quite understand the car scene. They just could feel the tension at car meets that we had gone to before. So they yeah. really supported the idea of being super welcoming and, you know, greeting people as they come in and talking, walking around, talking to people and just getting people engaged with each other. Um, on top of, you know, the fact that we were collecting toys for, for, for children, um, it just created a really, really good uh, feeling. And that was that was our first event. And here we are 10 years later. <laughs> it's it's what Cars and Coffee everywhere tries to be. Right. But with a with a charity, you know, aspect to it. And I think that's such a cool, you know, I mean, I, I think it was 2017 was the first one I went to mm -hmm. and supported the, like, I just felt like, Oh, this is what it's supposed to be like, you know, it was like, <laughs> I couldn't, I can't explain that more than like, that's what it felt like showing up. And like, it really is, you know, and I think like just the amount of support that you get from, from everyone and, you know, you know, you're, you're, you were doing a hundred toys the first year, but, I don't even remember how many you did, you know, in the last few years, but it's a lot more than that. Yeah. You know, like I remember showing so up thinking, it's, wow, it's crazy like because the first event of toys that I had, <laughs> like I said, I just threw it out there. Let's see what happens. Right. Let's see who shows up. And it was a pretty, like, I was pretty impressed with the turnout. Um, and that was just from, again, I think our very first event, I don't even think there was Instagram at the time. So our promoting was like, probably just from our website, Facebook, and um, maybe just reaching out to local people. Um, and 
the second event, you know, obviously was a little bigger. Um, and I think a turning point for the event itself was the Toys for Tots people that we had dealt with the first year, they kind of dropped off and just, they didn't respond to me. Um, and I eventually found the Operation Santa Claus, who is um, ran by Orange County Social Services Agency. Um, so that program essentially collects toys and goods for, for the foster care kids that are affected by the foster care system. Um, and I had been told that the toys for tots that we were donating to previously were like, just, it was just kind of a generic sector and those toys would just get funneled wherever they, they probably, some of them got shipped out to across the country and whatnot. So when I talked to operation Santa Claus, when they told me that all the donations are actually local, um, that, you know, it, it made me feel a little bit better because I knew exactly where those toys were going to. Um, after the first event that we did with Operation Santa Claus, yeah. which I think was Sleigh Ride 2, um, my wife, myself, and then my two kids, we went to the donation site after the event to visit, um, and they gave us a tour. And that <clears throat> that that tour really put so much more passion into our hearts because we saw the big warehouse. We saw how the whole program worked. We saw how the toys were separated. We saw how the toys were being given out. Um, so essentially they have like this huge warehouse, they separate all the donations and then they have a ticketing system. And so if like you, let's say you were a foster parent and you had a couple kids, they would give you tickets and then you would go in and shop for your children. Um, <clears throat> so being able to visualize exactly where the toys oh, are going, cool. it just put a little bit more like of a kick, you know, behind our rears to getting gear and, and make it a little bit bigger every single year. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was the third one, our third event where obviously, so the first one, I didn't spend any money. I think I maybe bought, you know, a banner and that was probably it. Um, and and we had a, our DJ, DJ Cram, he's been doing it since the very first event. I think the first one, we just paid him like 50 bucks or something like that. Um, and the cool thing about DJ Cram is his, he, I told him I want to hear underground hip hop and that's exactly what he played. And he played the good stuff, you know, and every year it's funny. I feel like it's the same playlist every year. It doesn't change, but it has the same effect on people. Um, <clears throat> he's just really dope. He just knows, he knows what our theme is every year and he knows, you know, what kind of music I like. And I told him, don't take any requests, just play what I tell you to play. And it's always been good. Um, but that that was one one thing where it started to come together. We, you know, what I wanted was a good chill vibe, you know, cool cars, good people, great music. Um, I think by the third sleigh ride, you know, is when I started, you know, playing around with themes. I did a Back to the Future theme. Um, and we actually had our first year where we did T-shirts. Um, and I took the back to the future logo and flipped the classic, uh, logo onto that. And that was kind of cool. And so, you know, we started, things started kind of shaping, you know, we had a, a good cause backing the event. Um, you know, we started to have a little bit more fun with the theme. And, and then I think that third year was the first year that I actually turned it into like a car show where we judged, um, 
like uh, judged cars because I wanted to justify being able to charge people um, or to have them donate because I had my operating costs increasing and I couldn't really afford mm-hmm. to put the show on. So the only way I was yep. able to do it is if I charge them, you know, an entrance fee for the for the car show. And then spectators obviously would just have to bring a toy so they wouldn't get charged for a spectator. Um, so that gave me a little money to play with, to be able to pay the DJ more, to be able to afford to buy shirts, to sell to people at the event, um, to buy more toys. Um, and then obviously I started to buy things like banners. We did trophies that year. Um, so realistically, that's where, oh, and then I, I had staff. I had people helping me out, like both, mostly my wife's family and then, you know, close friends. So we would go to dinner and, you know, the, the entrance fee that I would charge would go to that to feed the staff. And with those three things alone, it pretty much just broke even. So I wasn't having to come out of pocket anymore. So that helped a lot. And it was funner, you know. <clears throat> so by the time yeah. you showed up yeah, in 2017, awesome, you know, I was like on my probably I forgot which what theme that was, which cheer that was. But. Oh, OK. I, or, I think the first one that the, I went to was Yeezy Nintendo. I think. It might have been the it wasn't okay. So the one after that was Nintendo. Remember, uh, you know, I don't remember like when we connected, but like when I when I looked at your page, like I was working for StockX in Detroit when all of that Yeezy, that whole like uh, that vibe that you you know, I forget what the what album yeah, that was yeah. the pablo album i guess and that was like that was like kind of the i remember seeing it after you know like i had gone and it was i'm pretty sure it was nintendo was the first one because then i think you're right yeah because you did like a stussy that was yeah that was at, the that was 2019 right? that was our last big one um but yeah no you were at yeah. the nintendo one that mm-hmm. one so the nintendo one was probably the Yeezy one had my favorite t-shirt. I really love that. I feel like giving like mm-hmm. that. That was probably of all the shirts yeah. I've ever made. That was probably my favorite one. But the Nintendo one had to have been the most fun. Like, I don't know what it was about that year. You're right. It was 2017. Um, I did the off-white Super Nintendo thing. And man, the trophies, the, the uh, I think I hired a game truck to come out for the kids um, that was definitely probably one of my funnest, my funnest sleigh rides that I threw. Um, yeah, the, those trophies <laughs> were epic. So man. for <laughs> the listeners, so for every year I try to, you know, come up with some creative way, you know, to, to, to give awards. Um, the first couple of years, it was just standard trophies, like the little gold ones that, you know, you get at any car show. Um, and then I think it was out of not having enough money. So I started thinking like, how can I start creating trophies and then um, giving them something a little bit more custom that they could take home. So on the Nintendo year, I actually went out and bought, um, I had to buy three Super Nintendos um, because I was buying cheap ones like on eBay and on OfferUp. They were like 20, 30 bucks each and they didn't work but i just had to buy 3 so that i could piece together like a complete shell that looked good um so i bought 3 of those and i bought i think it was 20 nintendo cartridges super nintendo cartridges and then i had um my friend devin create a custom label 
And so the best of show actually won a Super Nintendo console that was in a big, you know, glass case with the cartridge in it. Um, and then the regular car, the regular uh, awards were an actual uh, Nintendo cartridge with a custom label. That was probably out of all the ones that we did. I think that was like one of my favorite um, favorite years. Yeah, those, it was those, fun. Those great, it, that man. year in particular had just such a good vibe to it. Um, you know, it's just one of my one of my favorites for sure. It's hard. It's going to be hard to outdo that. And I don't really I don't really try to tell myself to outdo the previous years anymore. I just want to kind of let them live, you know, because I, I think back to each year and each year yeah, was yeah. very special um, in its own way. Um, so <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's when things started getting really fun. Um yeah, and yeah. then I think the next year was this was the it was a Yo MTV Raps theme, um, and then I bought thirty boomboxes off of this guy, like straight up full boomboxes, and then Michelle painted them gold, <laughs> yep. and those were the those <laughs> that year that was a trophy. Um, I think we did. I think I did one year with vinyl records too. That that might have been the same year, um, but yeah, I mean we just try to get creative with it. Um, just to kind of give it a little different spin uh, from from like a normal a normal show, and I think those are well. And you having fun with it like really shines <clears throat> through and all that. You know, like it 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 feels it feels like you're hanging out <laughs> at a barbecue with family. Like that's that's literally yeah, that's, what it feels like to me. That's always and, been that's always been our top yeah. thing. Is you know every year you know now that I have a, a pretty consistent staff that helps me out, you know they look forward to it. They, they don't get paid to do it. We look forward to our meal afterwards um, and just the day of. They know it's crazy, um, but everyone has like a ton of fun doing it. Um, and that's and I I always have a talk with them in the beginning and just kind of remind them why we do what we do. And, you know, how they treat people, you know, as a reflection of what we're trying to do. I mean, we, we just have no choice but to be super nice and welcoming to people because that's that's really what 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 sets the difference between um, car shows that I've been into in the past and, you know, our event. Yeah. So I guess like go. Let's go back a little bit, because like how, how you've also judged like other car shows and, you know, had your car in shows. How did you what was that like? So I've never had a car anywhere close to like take it to a car show, but I would totally feel comfortable, you know, if my car was running right now, bringing it to classic. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think the thing about like my brother, who's on another episode of, of the podcast and he has a beautiful Honda CRX, but he doesn't look at it near the way that I do. You know, he's like, Oh, well there's, this, that, and the other that needs to be fixed before I could actually take it anywhere and, and, you know, be proud of it. And I know he's proud of it, but I, I think like we all have that as, as people, you know, who it's like never ending project, right. Or, you know, it's, it's a never ending, you know, process. You're never really going to be done with a car. Right. It's like, right. There's always something else you could do to improve it a little bit. And the more you get into those things, the more kind of crazy it gets with, either the money you're spending the time and energy that has to go into it, or just the actual work behind like going from a, you know, a 9.8 to a 9.9 to a 10.0, you know, kind of thing. Right. So like what, when did you first take your car to a show and, 
And how did you get into kind of the, you know, like working with other shows too? So my first car show that I actually took my car to was Weekfest. Um, that was in 2010, I believe, or 2011, maybe, um, in Long Beach. I think it was their first Long Beach show. Um, so Weekfest is a traveling car show. Originally, they started in the Bay Area as just a show inside the Japantown garage, uh, the parking structure. Um, and for anyone that follows Weekfest knows, you know, they're they're known for having um, probably some of the best builds, um, very specific uh, type of build. Um, and, you know, they're international now. It's crazy. They just started out in San Francisco. They had a bunch of, you know, good shows. And then now they're, they they tour. Um, so I've known some of the guys from Weekfest. Um, one of my best friends has been on tour with them uh, for years. He's actually probably one of the guys that got me into the car scene. He took me to my first street race ever in his automatic civic. <laughs> um, and we won, but he, so he's been affiliated with week fest for years. Um, he does a lot of the logistics for them and, and he got me involved um, with the actual show. I think it was after like my second or third time showing with them. Um, you know, so the first show basically for week fest, you have to apply online so when they open up registration you submit photos and lists of your mods so you apply online i got accepted i was super happy that was like the first time i ever felt like you know this was shortly after my car got featured on a blog so i was just on a roll um so my first show like i said 2011 i believe it was um week fest long beach it was a beautiful venue right there by the queen mary um and I was so nervous, you know, my car wasn't as cool as the other cars for sure. Um, and I remember I had a carbon fiber hood and it had a bunch of oxidation on it. And I, I didn't have the money to buy a new hood, but it was also cutting it really close to the, to the show. So what I ended up doing was I, I got crink ink. Um, if you're familiar with the graffiti, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> graffiti ink. And it drips. So I remember there was a Mini Cooper that they did a whole crink job on where I think it was a silver Mini Cooper or a black one. And they used silver ink and they just crinked the whole car and it looked wild. So I was like, you know what? Since I can't afford a new carbon fiber hood or to restore mine, I'm just going to crink the hood uh, white to match the car. And it'll cover up all the oxidation. Um, and then I had a fixed gear bicycle that I was building at the time. And I had a bike rack on my car. So I cranked the hood and I cranked the bike to match. And it just, I mean, it, it, now that I look at it, I'm like, eh, I don't know how cool <laughs> that looks. But back then I was like, dude, that was cool. Yeah. Like that looked really cool. And it was, it was something different that I had never seen before at a car show. So, you know, back then it was definitely a different, a different look, but that was my first show. Um, and, you know, I felt so much pressure to, you know, to, to be at that show because it was like the most elite show you could be at. Right. Yeah. And I remember standing there, you know, looking at my car, you know, after I'd cleaned it and just watching people to see if anyone would even go up to it and look at it. Um, and then, you know, I think there was a judging slip. The judges never passed by it. Nobody really came by to look at my car. Um, and I felt kind of like, like, you know, bad in a sense where I was like, 
bad and good at the same time. Good because I felt like because I made it to the show, I already made it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that no one was really paying attention to the car or looking at it was making me think like, does my car suck? Or do people just don't care about EP3s? Um, you know, or did I overdo it with the crank? You know, just all kinds of crazy thoughts were going through my head. Um, and that was another moment that was kind of pivotal, uh, pivotal in me, you know, when I, when I started right, right before I started Sleigh Ride. Um, but as the years kind of went by, you know, I got invited to start helping out at Weekfest. Um, and by then I had already, I think I already had one or two Sleigh Rides under my belt. Um, so I was really interested in, you know, how car shows were judged because I didn't like as a as a participant in the show, most shows don't really tell you how they're judged. I mean, I think like the old like classic car circuits and stuff, they give you like there's like a checklist. Um, but in a lot of these import car shows, there really isn't a checklist. Mm. Um, and so <clears throat> it's just you you begin to wonder during the award ceremonies, like, are they just picking their friends or are they picking their sponsors? You know, like what's going on? Like, what are, what are they really looking at? Um, so I got the opportunity to shadow, um, you know, my buddy as he was judging one year. And he basically just gave me a judge, uh, a, a paper and said, here, come with me. Let's go judge. I mean, that's how casual it was. Yeah. And I was nervous. I was like looking at the cars, like trying to figure out what to look at, checking if there was dirt under the fenders. Um, but he he kind of he kind of guided me in the sense of looking at a car as a whole, like a complete build, um, you know, seeing what was modified, what wasn't modified. Do the modifications make sense? Um, you know, does it does it match the rest of the car? You know, is there stuff that was just, you know, where they cut corners on? Um, so it was really interesting to see how they view a car as a whole versus picking it apart piece by piece. And as a car, a person that modified cars, it kind of started making me think like, it's not about dumping thousands of dollars and changing every single part in your car. It's about overall, how does your car flow? Yeah. How does your car look as a, as a, you know, you know, how, how does it look at the actual presentation point of it versus like, oh, he has airbags and he has, you know, he changed every single bolt in the engine bay, you know, and he bought a, every single aftermarket part in the catalog. So that that kind of helped me look at cars in a different light and also build my cars in a different light as well. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I <clears> think <throat> about like how all that has evolved, you know, like, I, I mean, I don't remember the first week fest in San Francisco like in the Bay Area, I mean, I, you know, I I bought wheels off of Adam when it was Weeksauce.org. Weeksauce, you know, like yeah. I'm I'm friends with Colin, you know, from the early days of that. Like, you know, when he and he was at a uh, Inspire back, in, you know, you know, up until last few years or whatever. But like, I think the evolution of all of that stuff, it's like it seems like the car show world for imports or Hondas you know, even like the drift world, how it's kind of crossed over now is fine. Finally kind of matured to a point of like a, a, in a good way. Right. Like, like to your point of the hot rod guys having all the, the checklists and stuff, you know, 
me 10 or 15 years ago would not have been able to even mentally handle that. I would have just been like, you can't tell me what to do. Like, you know, like (laughs) it's my car. You can't tell me all the things that need to be done. But I think that's kind of a cool thing too, because, you know, one of the things that I think about now where we've kind of, we've kind of gone, at least in the Honda scene, we've, we've gone through a lot of different growing pains and different styles. And like, I, I love, I love seeing crazy stuff, but I would never do it. And Mm-hmm. That's just my personality. <clears throat> like that's the same way I dress. That's the same way I choose sneakers. Well, sneakers are a little bit different because sometimes I just wear them because they're obnoxious and they start a conversation. <laughs> but like, yeah. I'm very reserved as a person most of the time. You know, I'm I'm super talkative and you know nice to people and respectful of people. But at the same time, I want my space too. And and so the car stuff, I'm not trying to get a, a lot of attention from. I, I kind of think it mm-hmm. more understated. But, you know, we had mm-hmm. like the Fast and Furious era and then we kind of had the, the drift scene kind of come in and like re give give like new new life to, you know, after the, the you know, the 2008 kind of financial crisis kind of leveled a lot of things in the in the you know, at least in the tuner world. And then mm-hmm. we've kind of gotten back to a point where it's funny because if you think about like the, the, you know, when you're a teenager or whatever, you're just trying to modify your car, you're making your own intake or whatnot you're cutting things up you just wanted to not have it be stock in a lot of ways and now we're seeing so many people kind of appreciate like having all that stock stuff even even building something from the ground up there's plenty of people that are building cars frame up and you know keeping a stock airbox in it and and you know kind of kind of coming back to like hey let's just let's make this like you know i I don't know what the, the the right term for it is, but like, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, an adult build of the car that I had as a, as a teenager or a young 20 something, you know? Right. It's like a restoration. Um, yeah. Almost in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you're right. There's a big shift between like, let me see how wild I can get, you know, with, for example, you know, Joey, Joey Lee from the Chronicles, he brought out um, LJ Garcia's, uh, Civic Hatchback EK to Weekfest, and I mean that thing had was probably one of the first cars I remember that ever had a wide body kit. It had the feels kit, um, nineteen inch wheels, I think. Yeah, thirty five series tires, which was insane. Yeah, like racing you know? hard. I mean, it was just so something. wild. Yeah. yeah, it was just so wild at the time, and that was the era. And now we go back to you know, obviously the whole JDM movement happened. And people started looking for a more simple and clean, you know, aesthetic, you know, like that, that really simple, clean Japanese style. And then there was like the whole OEM plus, like, okay, let me be as OEM as possible, but let me mod it as much as possible within reason. I mean, and, and that was like its own style in itself. Um, And so like the thing that, you know, when I decided as far as like classic, you know, sleigh ride, you know, the need to have a car show, it was brought up, like I mentioned earlier, it was brought up by a few things. One, money, because I need money to cover the cost of the show to keep it going. But two, it was also a way for me to kind of control who was at the event, in a sense, um, by being able to filter out the builds that were there. Now, that doesn't mean like if your car was ugly, I didn't want it in the show. It just means... I was able to kind of control who attended, 
and the number of cars that attended by having a similar application process to what Weekfest did. Um, now that I knew that I'd be taking a risk because you know I'm not, um, I I didn't have the social media presence or presence at the time because nobody knew who I was, but it worked to my advantage because I was able to really accomplish my goal in making enough money to keep the show going, being able to filter out the builds and the people that attended. Um, and the part that I always dreaded, at least when I first started making, turning it into a car show was judging. Um, but you kind of have to have, you have, you want to award people for their accomplishments, but at the same time, like judging is brutal. Like judging is like, it's my least favorite thing to do. Um, but what I tried to do in that sense was I would change the categories up. Right. So instead of like your standard, you know, I had the standard categories cause I felt like they were necessary, like best engine bay, um, you know, best, you know, whatever. But I also would include fun categories like most artistic. Um, another one of my favorite was best theme, which was like whatever car was within the Christmas theme. Um, you know, there was cars that have uh, come out to the event since it was a Christmas event with like Christmas trees on the top of their car, full on Christmas displays in the trunk. Um, you know, people that just really got into the, the Christmas spirit. Um, I, my favorite award hands down is the kids choice award, which is the, you know, my, my son, my daughter, their cousins, um, they, they walk around the show and they judge the cars and they pick their favorite car. Um, so I tried to make the categories fun um, and a little less abrasive, I guess you could say, and a little less serious, just so that people can get the tone of, of the event. Um, but being able to actually judge Weekfest um, and, and shadow along, that actually opened up my eyes to a lot of things, you know, for my own show and then also for my own personal builds. You know, it kind of made me look at it in a different light. Um, because when I was trying to figure out how I wanted to build a car, I was just, I was all over the place. I was either being too cheap or trying to go all out, you know, and yeah. then realizing that it's going to give me the same result. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just started building things on how I really wanted, you know, focusing a little bit more on how I really wanted the car to look and flow. I think that was kind of the biggest thing I got out of it. Yeah, it's it's so cool to, to kind of have, you know, at least from an outsider perspective, somebody who is really just the, the consumer when it comes to car shows. And, you know, like I've been to hundreds, you know, like I'm, I'm basically just a nerd for anything automotive. Uh, you know, I, I, I go back to like a teenager wanting to build low riders, you know, like my first car was an 87 Accord and, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted 13 inch wire wheels and, and hydraulics <laughs> on it. Like that was like my original goal with it. And <clears throat> at that same time, like I bought a Honda because my cousin, you know, had an EF hatch and, you know, had 16 inch wheels. And he, he like, that was the biggest thing I'd ever seen on, you know, on a Honda before <laughs> at that time in like 1993 or whatever it was. And I think like, you know, I, 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 I think just like the, the, you know, for me seeing all the different pieces of, as a consumer and a fan of cars, 
and then hearing how you kind of take those two worlds in a sense of like classic and and weak fest because you know uh, if you don't have the filter system in place you know you don't have the standard that you want with the cars right and at the same time that goes both ways right like if you were to say yes to you know people that have spent five six hundred thousand dollars on a build that's going to make everyone else feel like why am i here everybody's going to go look at this one other car and so you kind of have to you you have to have some sort of end caps on on where you where that is and then it's up to you as to how you slide it but i think the one thing that for me with classic it just always feels like everybody has the same level of respect for you know anyone that shows up and that's like the biggest part i think that's always kind of the the weird thing about car shows like we all love them but we all i think there's an awkwardness about a lot of them right and Mm-hmm. you know part of that is like why everybody tries the different things and it's like okay well you know we're gonna have super fancy merch we're gonna have you know crazy djs and dancing and we're gonna have under the lights and we're gonna do it you know at this kind of venue or that kind of venue and like i think the personal spins are actually what makes them interesting but at the same time mm-hmm. like it i think for people that are not into cars some of those things can can be like way too much, right? Like I just think of, you know, what Hot Import Nights was, you know, or or is, I guess. And like yeah. the average consumer would walk into there and go, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and like, you know, maybe I would at my age now. I don't know. It's been a few years since I've been to one. But like <laughs> yeah. at the same time, like it, it's definitely serving a purpose, you know, like there's there's people that want those you know, things that they're passionate about to have crossover and, and those experiences. And, um, but I guess like with, with, uh, you know, the car show stuff now, right. Obviously coming kind of coming out of the pandemic in a sense, mm-hmm. we didn't have like really in-person stuff for a couple of years, essentially. I mean, it's been, yeah. it's been at least two years plus since I've been to, you know, other than like maybe one or two cars and coffees, you know, which are obviously not anywhere close, but like you were recently talking about the week fest in LA and LJ Garcia's car. And like that car coming back is, is like something that I hope starts a trend of like revisiting some of these stories, because one thing that I think the import scene can learn from the hot rod guys is that they've, they've had years of, of kind of, going back and embracing what got them to this point. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, going to like the other side of the world with like concourse shows, Porsche does a great job of like coming and bringing and telling their story of like, this is the person that won the, in this car in 1973 or, you know, Mercedes does that, you know, with, with their race cars. And so like you have these car shows that cross over into like, why is this car important? And I think we're kind of getting there with Hondas, right? We're finally to a point where it's like, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more people bringing out old, you know, quote, old cars to kind of say, hey, look, I've I've been here and and, you know, was doing this. And, um, you know, for for a lot of us, we're, we're nostalgic for that stuff, too. But I think, you know, in general, I personally am just nostalgic for car shows in general. And I wanted to just yeah. kind of ask you what like how that went as tr- in terms of the 
indoor experience because you know classics always been at least for me has always been outdoors right you've always done an outdoor yeah. venue um, yes and like how you know how do you see that kind of playing out like for this year's classic are you you know I know you're in a new venue too so I guess we should get mm-hmm. towards that but I wanted to t- kind of touch on that for people that you know are maybe hesitant that you know about going to a an event where you have a bunch of people around so <clears throat> I've, I've watched, I watched week fest last year, um, try to figure out, you know, a lot of companies were just trying to figure out how to push through this pandemic. Right. So obviously they, they took a big hit because they're all their shows are indoor. They all got canceled last year. Um, and then this year, you know, things are a little bit different. Um, which I, I think that, you know, how they managed it was, 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 how they needed to do, you know, they followed all the guidelines, you know, the masks were enforced indoors. Um, you know, social distancing is kind of hard to accomplish, but there were less cars than previous. So there was a lot more spacing. And I mean, the crowd at week fest is definitely different than the crowd at other shows. So most of the people, um, you know, were there and, and being very respectful of whatever the guidelines were, um, you know, so it was overall, it was, a, it was a good experience to see because I think people like the energy was definitely there. People were just excited to be back. I think you felt it probably around the same time that I felt it during the pandemic. It was like, I miss a lot of things. And cars is a big thing. That was, a, was a, one of those big things that I missed, you know, um, to be honest, like doing sleigh ride every year and going to car shows randomly, like it can get overwhelming if you go to a lot of events. And I know I have a lot of friends that were very frequently going to car meets and shows and it does get overwhelming, but to go like a full year without it, you kind of just like get shaken up a little bit. You're like, wow, I miss this. I miss these people. Um, I miss seeing the cars. So I think the energy was great. Um, Seeing people, you know, it was a little bit of a reunion. I mean, I, I had seen people that I hadn't seen in over a year. Um, and you know, it was, it was good. It was a good experience as far as sleigh ride. I mean, it's, it's outdoors. Um, you know, obviously last year was a huge challenge for us. We didn't quite get to operate fully, um, on top of our venue being canceled and having to move to a venue last minute, uh, which was a lot smaller. Um, my myself and my family were sick with COVID during the event time. So I couldn't even make it to the event. Um, and I had to kind of do everything remotely. Um, side note though, one of the things that it really did to push, push us to like a different level was I knew that we weren't going to get the attendance that we normally would have gotten, but I didn't want to let that stop me from, I didn't want to cancel it completely. Um, but at the same time, I, I still wanted to push to see if we can get, you know, enough donations to be able to donate. So one of the things that came out of that was me reaching out to local businesses prior to the event and conducting like, or asking them to be a drop-off point. Um, Cause normally people would just bring toys and collect them and bring them to the event. But last year I got some local businesses involved and Operation Santa Claus was able to drop off boxes at those locations to get additional toy, you know, donations for the, for the event. So that's one of the things that I'm actually continuing this year. Um, I'm actually going to be announcing that tomorrow. I've got, I think 12, 
or 15 businesses that signed up to be drop off points around Orange County and LA. Um, nice. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see, you know, how that progresses because it really kind of pushed myself out of the box of thinking like classic sleigh ride is just a one day thing. Now, you know, the classic sleigh ride is, is literally a ride, like a month long ride of how many toys we can get, you know, to donate. Yeah, man. So that's no, it's awesome. a little sidetrack. I don't know if that really answers your question. No, but... That's great, man. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really what I wanted to to kind of get to and, and just, you know, make sure that we get all the details for people that are listening to like um, what. So where is it going to be and and what's the date again? So this year's event is going to be um, at the Hangar 24 Brewery in Orange County. It's actually in Irvine. Um, it's going to be on December 12th um, and that's a Sunday. So Sunday, December 12th, it's going to start around 11 o'clock. Um, I haven't opened up car registration officially for the show cars, but I actually have about 20 cars that registered from, they, they found last year's registration link. <laughs> so it's, it's exciting. And I've seen the cars and, you know, it's, it's good stuff. Um, you know, just good, wholesome. I mean, I know, I know pretty much everyone that's registered and it's, you know, if you're a Honda person, you're definitely going to enjoy I think this year is going to be a great turnout. I'm super excited about it. Awesome, man. And uh, so December 12th, Hangar Brewery. And so for people that want to just come in and check it out, um, I guess you'll like, you know, have them hit the Instagram and then, you know, they can bring a toy to donate uh, or multiple toys, if preferably. <laughs> It's confusing every year for people, and I know this, but for the people that are new to the event, essentially, if you want to spectate and just see the cars um, and just hang out, you just come and you bring a toy. We just ask for a minimum of one toy. It doesn't. There's no dollar amount that we ask for. Um, just bring a toy in. If you want to actually show your vehicle, then and 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 leave a donation to help fund the event then you can register your vehicle. Um, all the information is on our website. It's www.classicslayride.com. And that's classic with a K at the end. Um, or our Instagram, it's at stay classic. Um, and we're on Facebook as well, but we're mostly active on Instagram. So, you know, if you guys have questions about it, um, that would be definitely the best place to get info. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be at a new venue. It's a brand new brewery um, in Irvine. So it's pretty central, um, pretty close to the beach, pretty close to everything out in SoCal. So it's we're excited about it. You know, the venue's excited about it. They've been, you know, super kind to to work with us and and let us let us host the event there. Um, but yeah, this is our 10th one and you know, it's 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 exciting just to be back. Um, I don't have any you know, goals about how many cars I want there, how many people I want to be. I just want it to be. Yeah. Um, and I've told this to people, you know, I told my kids, like, you guys are going to be running this someday. Like, we're not going to let this die because it's just a good thing. It's it's a tradition that a lot of people look forward to. Um, you know, there's cool cars, but it's not really about the cars. You know, it's, it's really just about the reunion of people um, and just seeing the growth of the car community over the years. I mean... When we first started this, it was literally just kids at the event. And now 10 years down the line, one of the things that 
makes me most proud is a lot of these kids that were kids 10 years ago, they're now business owners. You know, they own their own powder, powder coating, vinyl graphics companies, uh, mechanic shops, um, clothing brands, you name it. I mean, and these were all kids that just, you know, had dreams 10 years ago and just came with a regular car. And now, you know, just to see these people grow um, and to know that some of them actually met at Classic Sleigh Ride and, you know, are now like really close friends and, you know, have done some really cool things. It's it's just a good heartwarming feeling all around. So, so awesome, man. Um, congratulations <laughs> on 10 years because, you know, most people don't stick to anything that long. So it's it's awesome to see you still going with it. And what what's this year's theme? Uh, it's Wu-Tang. <laughs> so I remember seeing a shirt a long time ago. It was Wu-Tang is for the children. Um, it's funny, man, because that theme. So nothing gets done for Sleigh Ride until I think of that theme. So if it takes me a long time to think of something that I'm happy with, the planning doesn't get done until like literally last minute. Um, so this year, I mean, you know, I was going back and forth about a couple different things and I just wanted to keep it simple and just you know, not, not overthink it. Cause I tend to overthink the themes sometimes like the super Nintendo one was just like, I was all over the place. <laughs> um, but I kind of wanted to take back from the theme a little bit and just throw something out there and just really focus on the event and the event experience. Um, and my biggest focus this year is just being able to help provide a, a larger amount of toys um, I spoke with Jesse, who's from Operation Santa Claus. Um, and one of the concerning things is that there's shortages of supply right now. And so with those shortages, one, you know, people are not all in a good place. So the likelihood of people being super, you know, uh, giving this year, it's a, it's going to be a little tough, you know, and and I get that because I'm I feel it myself. You know, we. We're not, most people that I know of are not in the same financial position as they used to be in previous years, especially this year. Um, but the need and the amount of kids who are now displaced in foster homes because of all the stuff with the pandemic, and then the sh uh, on top of the shortage of supply with toys and supplies itself, um, that was really concerning to me. So he was telling me that he'll do whatever it takes to help support the event because they they really do need our help. Um, and so that's what really made me push, even though it's more work to organize like a secondary drive on top of the event, um, I'm a hundred percent down because I feel like, you know, every incremental donation we can get is, is going to help. Um, and that's, and to me, this is, if there's any year we need to push, I say this every year, but if there's any near any year we really need to push, it's, it's gotta be this year just to help make that, make that impact and fill, fill some of the gaps that they're feeling. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll put links in the description on social media to, you know, um, obviously to classic, but you know, to, um, the Santa operation Santa Claus as well. And, you know, if you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not near Southern California and, you know, like just, just take some, take some toys to your local spot. You know, people are really, Exactly. going to appreciate them more this year than ever before, because there's definitely, you know, a lot of people that I know that are still not really back on their feet after this last, you know, couple of years of the pandemic. And, 
unfortunately that always trickles down to like a lot of kids having, you know, nothing under the tree and, and, you know, a lot of needs. So as, as much as like, you know, I would encourage you to get to this show, get to, to classic and, and be a part of this anyway, if you can't, you can always donate. And I'll put some links in the description for that too, because there's always places that, you know, you can, you can get involved locally. So um, I guess last but not least, Barry, let them know how they can find you on social media before we get out of here. <laughs> on uh, social media, you guys can find me at verse one, uh, V E R S E O N E um, at stay classic S T A C L A S S I C K. And you could find me on the web at www.classicslayride.com for any information on the event. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks for spending time with me to chat and thanks everybody thanks, for man. listening, tuning in wherever your, whatever your platform is that you're listening on and uh, catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.